Right now, you can get both Sprint's unlimited plan and the iPhone XR with its amazing camera included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24-month installment billing. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 a month after monthly credit supplied within two bills. If canceled early, remaining balance due. Unlimited basic. After 630-20, pay $32 a month per line with AutoPay. Data deprioritization during congestion. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. Right now, you can get both Sprint's unlimited plan and the iPhone XR with its amazing camera included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24-month installment billing. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 a month after monthly credit supplied within two bills. If canceled early, remaining balance due. Unlimited basic. After 630-20, pay $32 a month per line with AutoPay. Data deprioritization during congestion. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Everybody and welcome. We are live, Uncle Sam Soccer Podcast, USSF Presidential Election. Armand is in Dallas. I'm up here in Madison. We also got our assistant producer in Minnesota, and then here in studio with me is Ethan Jenks. He does the Devil Devil's Advocate Podcast. You can find that on the Badger Podcast Network. He's helping me out behind the scenes. So a big shout out to Ethan again for helping us out here on the live stream. Armand. Holy crap, a lot has happened in a span of 12 hours. Honestly, I hate the U.S. soccer presidential election right now because as soon as we post our podcast, our Twitter just blows up with, oh, potential coalition, oh, no potential coalition. What's going on? We don't know. This, that, this, that. And then we wake up, more news, more potential backroom deals. It's just been a back-and-forth mess and... Whew, we're about to see the conclusion of this coming up, so here I we go. I love it. I love the chaos. Jake, you there? What's going on, you guys? <laughs> uh, you were scrambling here last second, weren't you? <laughs> Trying to track down some earbuds. I was running all over my house. I tore the place apart, so. There you go. Uh, well, Jake, <laughs> what, are, what are your thoughts here with, with what's going on in the last 12 hours? Uh, this election is a it, it, it's a bleep show for uh, lack of a better uh, term um I, it's crazy you really can't make any sense of what's going on especially what's developed here in the last eight to 12 hours with the the uh change candidates you know uh with you know these backdoor or backroom deals and then someone backs out or then oh no we're every, everything's fine and then nope now two more candidates are backing out so it's uh, it's like every every time you check Twitter, it's like something new happened. I agree, Armand. You know what? I, I I just can't believe that we sat through a huge episode with Jeff Carlisle and Paul Kennedy, and then the news drops literally minutes after we finished the recording. 
And the funny thing is, we were talking about it last night, me, you, and Jake, and the consensus came uh, seemed to be it was a whole lot of nothing, but it was still a big deal. Turns out there's still no, still looks like no deal has been reached yet, and then there's boiling points, and it seems like it's a power struggle for who wants to be president of U.S. soccer. I mean, I think that's where we're at right now. You think I'm right, Stephen? Yeah, no, absolutely. But let's talk about the news last night and what it really means. You want you want to discuss in detail, Armand, the I guess the letter, the document that was tweeted out, and then what happened this morning? Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, I mean, shortly after we were done recording, a tweet was uh, tweeted out by Stephen Goff, and he basically said that the other, the six non-establishment candidates, which consists of Martino, Winograd, Gans, Hope Solo, Winalda, and I'm missing one. I just can't get the name. Um, Caligari? Yeah, Cal- Caligari had co- formed together to make a coalition and they released the letter, and you read the letter, and it doesn't. And it's not like any of them are combining. It's just saying a vote for one of us, a vote for anyone for change. And you're like, okay, this really doesn't amount to anything. Later this morning, we hear Paul Jury never participated in the meeting, mm-hmm. so looks like it's not a coalition of six; it's five. And then we hear some of the details from a, a Grant Wall piece that basically say that. Uh, that the, some of the candidates were pissed off that uh, Gans had let in Goff take a picture of that. And basically, it's just turned into a mess. I, I don't think, I honestly did not think a deal would be reached, even. I think the candidates' egos are just going to get in the way of each well, other. Talk about the breaking news that we kind of, or, or what our source said this afternoon with what happened in kind of the fallout. Yeah, so I mean, we did hear from a source that. Michael Winograd and Steve Gans uh, got into a disagreement about this potential coalition, and it kind of, it kind of fell apart from there. Um, I know you heard some news as well, Stephen. Uh, yeah, what well, was it? I mean, we had a. You had Steve Gans and Michael Winograd. That what you just said, and then the athletic. Uh, what's the association? Now it's dropping. Athletic Council. The Athletic Council is not in agreement. There is disagreement. They're actually probably meeting right now and talking about some sort of who are they going to support? And because they're split right now, which is really interesting because the first couple of rounds of voting could be chaos. And you could see, as we talked about last night, somebody dropping out. Jake, what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, it's. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like, uh, like your your source alluded to earlier this afternoon, um, it, it definitely seems like there's this uh, there's this push towards you know pu- pushing back against the establishment. In, in this case, Kathy Carter, uh, Carlos Cordero, and and and, and the MLS. Um, so uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how the the athlete council kind of shapes this selection uh, moving forward. Uh, I. I it's, you know, it's it, going to decide the the election. Right. And I, I, I don't know about you guys, but doesn't that seem a little ridiculous that individual like, – like they're going to – eventually – it sounds like historically they always vote as like a block, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't that – to me, it's, it's a little weird that you have this conglomerate, I guess, for lack of a better term, of athletes and they all – Basically, it's like a groupthink thing where they have to all vote for one candidate. They all just can't. Well, Kind of like a you know, jury. Yeah. It's like, why, why can't 
each individual person in that council vote for who they want? Why does why it almost seems like it's taboo that they kind of go their own way. You know, I I'm beginning to wonder if there's a little. I, I don't want to go into the rabbit hole, but can one of the what? I, oh, here's the other interesting point that I wanted to get to. Sources told me that Eric Winalda and Kyle Martino are not on the same page whatsoever. There is a big disagreement, and everybody thought they why doesn't one support the other? And we're gonna have um, Paula Point talk about this. He obviously has his uh, support thrown uh, has thrown his support behind Eric Molnalda. We're going to get his take and wonder why that hasn't happened. But that's that's big because if not one of them don't support the other, that's pretty much lost election. You pretty much handed it to either Kathy Carter or Carlos Guadero. No, I, I, I absolutely. I, I think you're right. And I think we're getting to this point to where the the six anti uh, six quote unquote anti establishment candidates are more and more just the more and more realizing that they might not have enough if they if they're all separate. I mean, it, you when you have more candidates in the field, your your the votes are going to spread out. I mean, I yeah. honestly think they have to combine in order to pre- prevent prevent it from happening or force it to a third runoff, mm-hmm, which absolutely. is which potentially can happen. Jake, you got the final happen. word. Yeah, I, I, we we talked about this last night. I mean, in, in my opinion, I feel like if any of these change candidates, uh, if any one of them wants to have a shot, it's going to basically require the other five of them to to drop out. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my opinion, I, I feel like I feel like Martino has the best shot. Just kind of reading the reports uh, as they kind of progressed over the last yep. couple of days, I feel like Martino has the best shot of those six candidates, mm-hmm. and I, I think that. If Winalda were to drop out and throw his, you know, basically endorse Martino, I feel like that would that would go a long way in getting some of these other candidates to kind of follow suit. Absolutely. Well, up next is Charles Baum.
Alrighty, joining the show right now live is Charles Boehm. He's actually live from Orlando. Charles, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Winding down after a, a, a long and eventful and interesting day uh, under the dome here at the at the AGM Hotel. Now, Charles, what is the feeling like in Orlando the night before the election? Because, I mean, we were doing a show back and forth, and I mean, I feel like it might be pretty hectic over there. Got to be hectic. It was a bustling kind of day. I mean, and and things start bright and early. So the the board of directors meeting cranked up at eight a.m. sharp uh, this morning, and the uh, the national council meeting where everything's going to go down tomorrow cranked up at eight a.m. Uh, bright and early. And uh, uh, it's a little quiet right now because the the most of the delegates uh, are on, uh, like on an offsite, like they're having like a social event. Um, mm-hmm. Forget if it's at Disney World or Sea World or whichever, but so. It's, it's quiet here at the moment, um, but then a few hundred soccer people are going to filter back in uh, in a little while. Then there's, I know there's at least one candidate is hosting a late night kind of uh, reception tonight, mm-hmm. uh, and then they, they may be other sort of less formal, uh, you know, gatherings. And I'm sure there'll be lots of uh, schmoozing and chatting and, uh, and gossiping. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But uh, but yeah, definitely eventful, interesting, and stuff happening both out in public and behind the scenes. So what the hell happened last night? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Uh, I have a, I have a feeling you could ask uh, half a dozen different people uh, involved in the situation and maybe get get three to six different answers on that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I, I thought I was a fool because I was staying up late uh, here in the atrium uh, working uh, and and talking to some people. As it turns out. Uh, I went to bed at, I think it was almost 3 o'clock in the morning, and it turns out there were people oh. staying up even later than I was. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, so, uh, look, I'm not going to try and uh, uh, put together any kind of authoritative timeline uh, of what went down, but uh, definitely we know this, this so-called gang of six, uh, the, 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 the six candidates who consider themselves to be change-oriented, um, who have really more so formed in opposition to the two front runners right now, which, which are Carlos Cordero and, and Kathy Carter. Um, the other six feel like, um, you know, none of them want to see either of those two candidates who they view as establishment candidates, uh, get elected. And so there was negotiations last night and there were continued negotiations today for them to try and come together with some sort of unity platform or statement or strategy. Um, Unfortunately, that that unity business didn't uh, turn out to be very united. Uh, yeah. As of now, there's been nothing formal. Uh, nothing nothing seems to have come of it. Uh, I was told that by one candidate that, uh, well, one of those candidates that 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 it was one other candidate that was holding the process back. Uh, I, again, I, the the general perception is that it was one Alda, but I don't. I, I think it would be unfair to say that. I don't have authoritative reason to 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 be sure that it was him. Um, and honestly, there's some strong personalities here. There's retired players, there's television personalities, they're, they're right, right. type A go-getter mm-hmm. winner type. So, so who knows really what really went down? It's, it's a, it's a chaotic election and, and there's chaotic personalities involved. So we can say. Charles, in terms of the potential coalition's plan, I mean, I went through and read that letter and it just, it didn't seem like there. It just seemed like, oh yeah, if you vote for one of us, you're voting for change, and it didn't seem like any like anything that would sway the election as much. I mean, was there more to it, or 
was I reading that right? It just it just seemed like they're all like yeah, let's support each other or something like that. Well, it's hard, right? When you if your only uniting characteristic is that you right. don't want to see someone else get elected, that's not there's there's only so much you can really build there. Uh, and so I mm-hmm. think that's that's the problem here. There's a lot of other things that they don't agree on. Uh, so and and again, these are personality issues as well. I think they're that these are it's hard to uh, campaign, you know, spend a lot of time, effort, money, um, soul, you know, put your put your your whole being into this race, uh, and then at the last moment decide to to pull yourself out, right? I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. um, no nobody wants to give up center stage if they feel like they have a reasonable chance to win. Now, if you know, it's a little disappointing, I guess. Um, if you wanted one of those six people to win, it's kind of disappointing probably to look and see that, that, that few to none of them are ready to step aside to let someone else, uh, you know, go at it and, and, and lend your support to them. It's still possible that that could happen because it, this election could possibly run over multiple ballots. Um, and if that's the case, then there could be all sorts of horse trading that, that unfolds. So, so that, that there still could be alliances, and, and everybody's really paying close attention to the athlete council right now because they're the perceived kingmakers. They hold 20% of the vote, and uh, they're the smallest group that has the most weight in terms of actual numbers of people you can influence. Mm-hmm. And they're in a similar situation, I think, where um, they met for three and a half hours today. They walked out, said there's no consensus, so they're going to meet again tonight, an unscheduled meeting. And uh, my question is... Why, what, why do you need consensus? Well, consensus, to me, is an indirect way of saying they want to vote as a block, which they have done in the past. Or at least some people in that room want to multiply the, the power of their votes uh, by casting them all for one candidate. And if they did, they would they could quite likely decide who wins. But again, it's hard to get people to to sublime themselves, sort of, or sublimate themselves into, into a, a, a group uh, decision that way. Why would one vote for one of the underdogs and not for one of the favorites? That's a great, I mean, that's a great question. Um, everybody wants to be on a winning team, right? But there, there's right. some significant uh, ideological distinctions here. And, and it's really, it's not even so much uh, the platforms aren't necessarily dramatically different. It's almost like I've been, I keep coming back to this term of tribalism. There's a tribal mentality here where the perception is that Cordero and Carter are insiders. Mm-hmm. They are they are they are part of the problem. They're part of the, the ruling tribe rather than part of the solution. As as much as Cordero, I think, has tried to paint himself as both an outsider and an insider, um, the the other six really feel like um, they've got to keep those two from one of those two, you know, from either of those two, should say, from winning. Uh, and so, what it comes down to, I mean, most people I've talked to feel like there's three candidates that as of now have a realistic chance to win it's carter cordero and Kyle martino oh really? so if you look at it in in horse race terms i mean martino seems to have um and i don't even i wouldn't even say that he, he's well ahead of the other five but he seems to be the one that can uh connect with the most demographics across mm-hmm. the, the voting mm-hmm. electorate mm-hmm. and has the fewest enemies <laughs> you know so for example <laughs> um i, I was I was told that uh, that one of the sticking points in the Gang of Six's conversations was that some wanted to have an agreement that they would all commit to to throwing their support behind whoever got the whoever of them got the most votes on the first ballot. 
you have to remember the biggest fear for them is if Carter, Carter's the, I think the only one that has a real chance of winning on the first ballot, meaning she gets more than 50% of the votes on the first vote. If that's the case, it's over. Now, yeah. if that doesn't happen, if no one gets to a majority, then we get into the horse trading and that does not benefit Carter because there'll be people that are second guessing her as a candidate because she just hasn't been as strong a candidate despite her strong, you know, base of, of support from the professional sector. So, um, so some people want to, you know, and I think that at least again, I, I can't say this is completely true. I, I can't account for this. But the, the, the perception is that Eric Winalda um, is the most likely to get the most votes of the six uh, sort of change candidates. And mm. it appears that he and his people would think that, that, that that should qualify them to be the one that everybody unites behind. Right. Uh, but the, the more, uh, I guess the, the deeper political uh, strategy is not necessarily to pick that person who has the biggest plurality of votes, but who's the most likely to get to 51. Um, and there's a perception that Eric, because of the, um, because of the sort of confrontational nature of his campaign, Mm-hmm. has a harder time getting to 50 plus one than than Martino does, who stands for a lot of the same ideas, but in a less, um, I guess, um, uh, again, confrontational fashion. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's really that's very insightful, Charles. Thank you. And before we're, I let you go... I know we're go, deep, in the, I know yeah, we're deep, deep in the weeds here, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's... No, it's, it's yeah, me, me and Steve have been talking about this. Like we've been going back and forth all day about what do we, uh, what's going on, this update, that update. It just seems like a mess. Before that, you go, Charles. I mean, I know it's kind of hard to predict because all this chaos. But what do you think is going to happen <laughs> tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, the other thing is that um, again, the athletes' council are in the spotlight mm-hmm. for the reasons mm-hmm. I said earlier. But each. The prof- and the professional sector is widely perceived to be locked up for Carter. That said, um, I-, I feel fairly confident that the MLS vote, which is about 15%, it will go for Carter. Right. Grant Walls reported that the NWSL vote, will, uh, which is, uh, don't quote oh, me, but something? I think 4.8. Yeah, something, yeah, like something there is going to go for Carter. I have no reason to, to, to argue with Grant's reporting there. Uh, USL is generally perceived to be, and they have about the same vote total as uh then to be sell. They're perceived to be in the bag for, for whoever MLS supports, but I don't necessarily know that that's the case. Um, and we already know that NASL, with I think 1.6% of the vote, um, are, are behind Winalda. Right, um, right. So that's 20, you know, that said, everybody's talking about for the professional and the, and the athletes council, but that the youth and, and adult sectors each have more than 25% of the vote. Again, the, the, the conventional wisdom is that they're too, they're bigger and they're more unruly and harder to, to build a block out of. Um, but if there is more, uh, and I heard stories that I, I didn't attend the youth council meeting today. I sat in on a little bit of the adult council. You know, those two organizations and their memberships are just live in very different worlds from the mm-hmm. pros and the athletes. And so if there's enough um, frustration uh, with uh, the, the issues that people have with the federation, which are, you know, sort of highlighted by the, the management style, the perception that the federation has neglected some of its constituents and some of its member groups, if there's enough frustration and resentment there um i think you may see a, uh, some surprises in terms of where the rank and file of the youth mm. and adult uh members go so that's that that's the big uncertainty that nobody's really looking at but i think it's quite possible that uh you know that that someone in that six uh the six change candidates could could, could get a surprising numbers out of those two blocks oh absolutely 
Very interesting, Charles. We appreciate it. Now, tell the listeners where we can find your great content, your great updates, and uh, all your great work for MLS Soccer 442. Let the listeners know. <laughs> yeah, and uh, this week, uh, most of what I'm doing is on uh, Pro Soccer USA, an exciting new project mm-hmm. uh, uh, Alicia Delgado is, is involved in, and then uh, I'm doing some work for SoccerWire.com as well. So check that out, and, and my, my Twitter handle is at D-B-O-E-H-M, and that's the easiest place to catch stuff if people want to see what I've been working on. There you go. Well, thanks again, Charles, and uh, get some rest tonight. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be wild. It's going to be a wild one tomorrow. <laughs> thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. And, uh, nobody sleep in. It's, uh, the, it could go down as early as 10 a.m. Eastern. So. There you go. Nobody sleep in. You hear it from Charles. Take care, Charles. <laughs> thanks again. Good night, guys. Well, Armand. Woo! Crazy. I, I just can't believe this is going down tomorrow. It's, it's crazy. But listeners, up next, we got Sebastian Salazar from ESPN. Yep. Alrighty, listeners, joining us from SeaWorld, who's covering the whales. I don't know what he's doing with the whales, but it's Sebastian Salazar. You see him on ESPN, ESPN Deportes, ESPN2. How's it going, Sebastian? 
It's going great, guys. Uh, I am here just outside of SeaWorld uh, in Orlando. <laughs> and maybe before we get too far in this, I have to acknowledge something. You know, I was on, and it's a little bit of a humble brag, I guess, maybe. I was on Sports Center this morning talking about the USSF presidential election. Like, did we ever think that would be a sentence that ever came out of anybody's mouth? Like, even 100 years from now? I, this is. You know, we, we fight to get soccer on SportsCenter all the time. So to think that this is one of the things that kind of breaks through the noise um, is, is, is really amazing to me, man. I, 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 I'm just amazed at, at kind of how this whole thing has unfolded. You know, Sebastian, I've been thinking that this, if this were any other sport in America, this would be talked about 24-7 on SportsCenter, on Fox, whatever sport network this would be talked about. Because it's soccer, it seems to be getting buried. Well, yeah, and even if we don't want to compare it maybe to other American sports, think about how this would be covered in another country where soccer was the foremost sport. I keep going back to my experiences over the summer covering the Gold Cup in both English and Spanish and how different the demand was for ESPN Deportes soccer content than kind of on the English side. Uh, and so if there was an overwhelming interest in soccer, if soccer was really the number one sport in this country, you're right. We would probably be doing hits on the hour, every hour. One, because it's, you know, depending on who you talk to, that important. And two, because it's that interesting, man. All these oh, yeah. details, these backroom deals. Like, yeah. uh, I thought I would hate this process and I would hate covering it. And, and in some parts of it, I don't really like. But dang, some parts of it are kind of fun. We we can agree with that. We can agree with that, Sebastian. We got done. We we finished a podcast after three hours of work. All of a sudden, you see, boom! Potential coalition of six, and you're like, "What the hell?" We just well, a gang of six. A what gang a waste of, of time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you though, it it speaks to the to to how power is is kind of consolidated in these elections. You know, it's it's the first contested election since the late '90s. This is not mm-hmm. something we've really had in U.S. soccer before, and so um, for those of us that cover sports for a living, like, we're really kind of learning from the ground up here in a lot of ways, uh, you know, of how parliamentary procedures are done and, and kind of learning the ins and outs, um, not just of how things get done, but also of how deals are struck and how power is consolidated uh, when you have so many candidates in an election, because I think, you know, the, the most important part of this is that there's eight people and that's a lot of static yeah. and a lot mm-hmm. of noise to cut through. And, and I think that's, from the outside, been the most difficult part. Um, because it's something I've said before, you know, one of the more frustrating things about this is that there's these two parallel elections going on. Mm-hmm. There's the election and the debates and the discussion that everybody's having on Twitter and when the candidates have gone on their you know, respective television appearances and interviews. You know, we've had a lot of them on ESPNFC. And then, mm-hmm. there's, then there's the actual conversations with voters. And I'll be honest with you guys. I'm walking around the hotel. The voters are not MLS fans. You know, they're mm. not U.S. men's national team or U.S. women's national team fans, even in a lot of ways. They're soccer, youth soccer, adult soccer lifers. Um, so when you talk about, when we talk about the things that we think really matter in the U.S. soccer ecosystem, you've got to remember there's a whole separate world mm-hmm. and that that world is actually who picks the president like i cannot walking around this hotel i cannot emphasize how clearly that was made to me i was like uh oh, none of these people watch espnfc none of these people are interested in um soccer in, in as much as consumers 
as maybe they are as participants or, or as administrators. And I think it's really important to, to know that I think a lot of people are going to be on Twitter, and I said this on Sports Center this morning, going to be disappointed when tomorrow rolls around. But mm. it ain't a Twitter poll. Um, yeah, and, and, and everybody's got to remember that, they, you know, that's not who's voting. No, absolutely. And, I mean, after we heard that coalition of six, and then we heard it kind of fall Wait, apart. Gang of six. Gang, gang of six. Gang of six. Gang of six. Gang of six. Well, then it kind of came became the group of five. And <laughs> now I don't even know what to make. I don't even know what to make of it. Is there any news on potential deals to throw support towards someone towards another candidate? You know, it's it's um, it's really interesting, right? Because. Last night, I think it was Steve Goff, the Washington Post, that was the first to kind of break it. Hey, there's this group of six, um, effectively the non-establishment candidates. And I think their goals are, are very obvious, right? It's pretty transparent. What's effectively happened here is there's establishment and there's not establishment. And what Carlos Cordero has very effectively done is he's kind of straddled the line. Right. So he's been able to make inroads with many of the people who, who don't want to see a lot of change. The the people who the voters who are not really open to a non-establishment candidate. Mm-hmm. And yet he's been able to siphon off some of these change voters um, because he's been able to, I think, very effectively in the last week or so, um, paint himself as, you know, in spite of what his record says over the last 10 years and um, instead of his role recently as the vice president, um, he's been able to to paint himself a little bit um, as a potential agent of change. And I think the, the people who really view themselves as the extreme agents of change want to say, hey, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Let's call spade a spade. And they want to categorize him as what they believe he is, which is an establishment candidate, status mm-hmm. quo. And so that's why you see this group of six. Um, before they were consolidating necessarily to try and work together and pool their votes together, they were consolidating to release the statement, which they ended up still, to this moment, not having released, um, which was, hey, voters, if you really want change, you cannot vote for either of the two establishment candidates, that being Kathy Carter and Carlos Cordero. So really, in, in some ways, that gang of six was trying to make sure that everybody who had a vote knew that if they wanted change, of course, they couldn't go Carter, but they also could not select Cordero, which then would, you would think, push some of those voters back into towards that gang of six where they might make choices. Uh, and I think, you know, all of those backroom deals and all that politics, I got to be honest, man, that's stuff that's, that's new to me. But what mm. we've seen in the last 24 hours, or not even the full 24, right? Because since Steve Goff released that report, we haven't even gotten the official statement out, is what you're seeing is that these six, anti-establishment candidates while they may align as anti-establishment they don't really always align on everything else right and you have people who have prioritized things that are so different even take the two big anti-establishment candidates eric winaldo's priorities seem to be promotion relegation Mm -hmm. and the mls calendar Mm -hmm. Tom martino's Tom martino's priorities are expanding the umbrella of USSF, bringing more people into the game. And, and even if, if you want to say it, and I'll say it, I think Kyle is actually far more the populist candidate between the two, even though Eric gets labeled as that. Um, because Kyle is really talking about, some of his platform is about redistribution of wealth. I mean, you can't get any further left than that. <laughs> so um, he's talking about, hey, all the money comes in and it goes 
opposed to MLS, and we need to make sure that it, it, it doesn't just go to the top 1%, that it kind of filters its way to everybody else. So um, even the priorities for the anti-establishment candidates don't really line up. So this idea that they were just going to sit out in a room, hash it out, and then attack the establishment <laughs> is a little far-fetched. And the last 24 hours have shown us that getting those people on the same page is a lot harder than right. getting them in the same room. Right. Well, Sebastian, why not ask you this last question, because I know you're a busy man. Got to get back to those whales down there. <laughs> why have we not seen these candidates get together before last night? I know there's been attempts, but it seems a little... I don't know. It, it seems a kind of dumb from their end thinking, oh, you know, let's just get here and then chat about it. Obviously, they weren't able to come to some sort of agreement. Well, I think when you get when you get to Orlando, right, or wherever mm-hmm. the election is, reality reality comes into play, mm-hmm. right? Because in, before you get to Orlando, when you're talking to people and you're talking to these state associations or people on the athlete council, whoever you're talking to, it's just you and them, and you can have a great conversation. And you say, "Hey, now maybe I, I got that that person in my corner. Maybe I can count on that vote." And then when people get to Orlando reality starts to set in. They see all the people that they thought were in their corner walking around and talking to other people. Mm-hmm. And then as numbers and projections and calculations start to come out, mm-hmm. the reality for a lot of these gang of six is they're realizing, I don't have a shot. And yet they all are identifying themselves as agents of change. And so if they're really principled, and I think this is what it's coming down to, right? They're like, well, if the point is to get change, and I'm not going to be the one to do it, then what I have to do is work against the establishment. And I think until you're really faced with the reality that your campaign is not going to be a winning one, and you don't really know that until you get down here, because there's no, there's no public polling. Mm-hmm, you know, there's mm-hmm. only kind of the vibe you get as you leave a conversation with somebody. And all these folks, a lot of these anti-establishment candidates are, are quite charming, and I can see how they could leave a conversation and be like, well, I really made some inroads but to get here the reality is they're not going to have the numbers and if they do want to take down the establishment they're going to have to do it together but let's not forget all of these people got into this race with the intention of winning it and they put in a lot of hard work and so this idea that they're just going to kind of walk away from that hard work especially anybody that's saying hey it's going to happen before the first ballots are cast before the first round of voting i just think is is kind of missing how much work these folks have put into it. I think they're going to at least see it through on that first ballot. I think the point is, and, and this is this is critical, the, P, the non-establishment candidates think that there's a plan A for the establishment and that there's a plan B for the establishment, and there mm-hmm. may even be a plan C, because the establishment didn't become the establishment by being unorganized and not knowing what they're mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. So those folks, say, okay, if they've got a plan A, B, and C, then we probably ought to at least have a plan B, right? If mm-hmm. I'm Kyle or Eric or Steve or Hope or any of these folks, um, and I get in there and say, okay, well, we went in the first ballot, and I've got 17%. Clearly, I'm never going to get to 50 But I still want to see change. Okay, how do we make that happen? And I think that they want to have now a plan B of, hey, if we get into a second round of voting on the floor, do we, as the non-establishment agents of change, as they've labeled themselves, do we have a plan B? Because if they don't have a plan B, forget it. Forget it. Once it gets to the second round, 
the establishment will have its plan B and it'll win. And it may win anyway. Mm -hmm. But I think what you're seeing now is everybody on the non-establishment side suddenly saying, hey, let's at least all have a plan B. Now, who's that going to be? How do you choose who the plan B candidate is, Mm -hmm. right? Is it the person at the end of the first round of voting that has the most votes? Sure. But if it's neck and neck and you got some some big egos and some people that have put a lot into this, are we so sure that somebody's going to say, well, you know, for the good of the movement, on principle, I'm going to give you all my 20%. That might be a lot to ship over to somebody off the first ballot. Somebody might want to stick around for a couple ballots. And in that process, the election may go to the establishment. So, um, you know, it's, it's a really fluid situation because I think a lot of the people on the non-establishment side um, are scrambling right now to, to, to figure out how they can really get how and if, even if they can get everybody mm-hmm. together and get their votes up above that 50%. Well, Sebastian, I wanted to thank you because that was absolutely fascinating. It's, it's the truth of the situation. This election has been juicy and fun to, to cover and also stressful at times. <laughs> and b- b- before, before I want to let you go, first off, plug where we can find all your stuff and, and your Twitter and all that good stuff. And then secondly, what the hell do you think is going to happen tomorrow? <laughs> What the hell do I think is going to happen? What the hell do I know? Uh, <laughs> so, I, you know, on Sports Center today, I said I would be really shocked if it wasn't one of the two establishment candidates. I right. think the momentum between the establishment candidates favors Kathy Carter right now. If I do the math, um, you know, she's got the MLS vote. She's got the NWSL vote. The USL, I don't think, has come out and said that they're going to vote for Carter, but um, I'll just put it this way. Some, some whispers I've heard suggest that they will. That gets her to 24%. The athlete council, um, in my conversations with them, I have found that there, there seem to be, um, how do I put this? Folks who are heavily leaning towards the establishment and probably won't be moved off that position. Mm-hmm. And there are some po- folks who I have said this before, I believe to be kind of fiercely independent thinkers. And they believe, some of them, I think, believe that the establishment has had its chance and there needs to be new leadership. So the idea that the athlete council, especially on the first ballot, will vote as a block doesn't really add up with what I'm hearing from different parts of the athlete Mm. council. So I think first round, you probably don't get to 50 percent. But I do think that eventually the athlete council or a majority of it will go to Carter that will get her up above 40, maybe as high as 44%. And then I think she's got the requisite 6 or 7% beyond that from the state associations, the miscellaneous, um, the youth council, the adult council, um, to get over to 51. So I think Kathy Carter, uh, at some point tomorrow, probably not first ballot, will be the next president of U.S. soccer. There, well, there you go. Thanks again, sorry, Sebastian. Sorry, Twitter. Sorry, Twitter. I know that's not what everybody wanted to hear. But, uh, you yeah, know, that, that's true. I just report what I, what I, you know, what I hear. Exactly. Well, thanks again, and uh, I guess get some rest because Charles Bohm said that he went to bed at three in the morning, so I'm sure it's going to be a late night for you as well. Yeah, we're uh, we're having dinner right now, and then we're going to head right back over to the USSF hotel and just kind of creep around the lobby, see what we can <laughs> dig up. There you go. Follow him on Twitter, guys. Get some great updates. Thanks again, Sebastian. Thanks, Sebastian. All right. Thanks Thanks for having me, guys.
Alrighty, listeners, our final guest is with us. It's Paula Point. How's it going, Paul? Gentlemen, how the heck are you? Double trouble live from Massachusetts. What's going on? <laughs> well, we're going to ask you what we've asked everybody who's been on the show. What the hell is going on? Well, I mean, you said the the, the magic word, hell. Um, and, um, you know, here we are on the eve of it all. And um, all of us, uh, including myself, much to my dismay, is on the outside looking in. And uh, there's just a lot in question, isn't there? No, there, there really yeah. is. I mean... There's there's so much in question. <laughs> it's uh, it, there's there's just it's just a mess. It seems like I mean, what like not even around maybe less than tw- less than twenty four hours ago we were talking about a potential uh, group of six or gang mm-hmm. of six uh, coming together, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, nope, that wasn't the case, and now we're hearing potential backroom. What is going on? What happened with that? Uh, from what you know, what happened with that gang of six? Well, you know, you know from, from the way I see it, in, you know, I'm, I've been very public about my support right. even mm-hmm. when I was running for the uh, candidacy with with Winalda, and we lined up on uh, on the same visions and scope of it all. And you know, here we are. I mean, there, there was an attempt, obviously, uh, on the uh, on the SEAL Team Six to go ahead and um, get together, but. <laughs> Once again, when you go back to the statements that I make about the blind ace of spades will, will, will be revealed, I mean, you get those six together, and, you know, the ones that have been preaching kind of the same vision and platforms all this time that we thought maybe were in line with each other probably are not. And um, from what I gather, uh, there was a couple that um, probably were not in line and um, disregarded those, those conversations, and uh, the group splits. And here we are again um, um, at this point. So, um, you know, my advice to Winalda was stay the course, um, uh, you know, keep true to your intentions, and um, let's just battle forward. So what's the latest with the Winalda camp? Because he is, I guess, would say top four here as far as it comes to numbers-wise. Him and Martino are the two favorite from the non-establishment. What's the feeling right now with Winalda's Mm -hmm. camp? Well, I mean, you know, we're talking with Eric um, hours ago. Um, the feeling is really good. And, um, you know, in regards to Martino, uh, which Kyle and I agree to disagree on some topics, um, you know, there was a little controversy when Martino first entered the race when the rescinding process was, uh, was allocated into the race. And, um, you know, um, these guys shake hands with each other, but not necessarily um, – uh, meet in the middle on a on a on a perfect scenario uh, mm-hmm. in agreement. So I can't tell you tonight if Martino and Winalda are on the same page or not. I know um, I know uh, talking with um, the solo campaign, and I know talking with Caligari's campaign. Um, I know they are, and um, who knows? Maybe maybe there's a a, a little bit of a trifecta being created um, um, at this point, but uh, that's yet to be determined. We'll see that maybe tomorrow, right? Yeah. Right, right. Do you, uh, do you, do you, will you, do you think we'll see a Martino Winalda potential coalition or do you think it's completely out of the picture? I mean, 
there's a possibility we could see it because you never know what can happen. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. and this is why this is why I believe this election systems uh, in this process thereof is broken and rid of conflict of interest. There should be no deals and there should be no backroom negotiations going on. If this right. election process um, was defined and implicated uh, and implemented uh, with a defined process that has an endpoint to it and nothing can I mean, why do we have an AGM meeting around an election to begin with? And why do all these councils and committees co- collaborate at the same time when all this is going on? If we had a defined election system, uh, the voting process should take place, and that should be the end point and be done with it. So it's a very uncomfortable situation to be in. This is my take on Winalda and, and Martino. Um, I don't agree with Kyle's um, vision, um, and I don't believe Winalda does uh, to a certain extent. I mean, he, you know, Kyle still publicly um, announces that we should be in lockstep with Sunil, and that's concerning to the American soccer community because mm-hmm. um, because all of us don't want to be in lockstep with Sunil. I mean, just because we're bidding for a, a World Cup and he sits on the the the, uh, the chair of, of FIFA um, does not mean it's in the best interest of USA soccer. And and um, you know we we need to be concerned with that. But you never know what goes on behind closed doors, and that's the most upsetting part. In my mind, um, if I was still in this uh, election process. Um, there would be no closed doors and there would be no negotiating. Let the election happen. Let it run pure and let the result be the result. Are you, do you think we're going to see some sort of surprise tomorrow morning? How much, how much more surprised can we be? Really? How much more, how much more surprised can the American soccer community be? We have lawsuits. We have individuals being called out. We've we've uh, twitted ourselves to the point where we can't tweet no more because we have no <laughs> beak left. Um, we are just at each other's throats from the grassroots 